Hello, and welcome to the Hindsights and Insights podcast. Here you'll gain deeper clarity of the challenging situations one can experience along the path of being a leader of positive change in an organization. As well, you will discover how to maneuver this path through the lessons learned from me, a fellow agent of change and business coach to others. I'm your host, Donna Lenzik, and I'm delighted that you've joined me today. So let's get into today's episode. In the last episode, I shared the four things that I have found that limit progress in positive change initiatives and how to address them. To me, these are fundamentals. These things are within that 80% and the 80-20 rule. Get these things right and you've established a solid foundation for your desired transformations to occur. Now, in this episode, I'm going to go a little deeper, bringing a few things to expand upon and also bring a different way of looking at things through a more refined model. But first, a little lesson I learned long ago to provide you a little bit of context in terms of my approach. One of the things I learned from the late Thomas Leonard, the founder of the business and personal coaching industries, is to look at weaknesses and strengths as two sides of the same coin. For example, if you're not very good at being visionary, then it's likely because you're very strong naturally in dealing with details. Likewise, if you enjoy reading or writing 100-page, 10-font audit findings reports, you might be a little challenges to shifting gears and looking five years out. Now, to me, this is a great tool that I have used time and time again with my coaching clients when they're unaware of one of the sides of the coin. I took a similar approach by looking at the other side of the coin for each of these four limitations of positive change in order to identify the four strategic levers to apply when leading transformational positive change. And by looking at it in this way, you can gain a further perspective of what actions to take. So in this episode, I'm going to go through each of the four limitations and share what I see on the other side of the coin, the opportunity, that coin strategic lever. And then I'm going to share the outcome you create when you have pairs of these levers applied. So let's get started. The first limitation of creating positive change was that the urgent always usurps the strategic. In our crazy busy world, we're all juggling many tasks, one urgent task the next. Between meetings, urgent tasks arrive, and your strategically important projects get delegated for the evenings or the weekend. And as a result, progress is slow, if at all. Now, the other side of the coin that I see, or the opportunity here, is to create space for what is really important. Now, that doesn't sound like rock and sciences, and I'm sure you've heard that type of phrase before, but in this context, it provides me a different way of thinking of how to do that. And I got three ideas for you. Now, the first one, I shared a bit about it in the last episode, and that's time boxing. And that's where you have dedicated time in your calendar for things that are important. So, for example, a weekly or monthly half hour, an hour call on a strategic initiative that you're trying to drive. And, of course, obviously it could be longer, but I share that shorter time frame just in case that's all you can put into the initiative at this point in time. There are also apps out there now that claim that can help you to do this, and Motion is one of them, and there's many others. And that's all cool, but I kind of give you a little bit of warning that no matter what the tool is, whether it's paper or something new and nifty like Motion, garbage in means garbage out. So 
you really need something to help clarify first what's really important. And perhaps there's some features in Motion that enable you to do that, but I just kind of give you a heads up to what, whatever tool you use is you first really need to define, okay, what's really important. And then in this case, time box it, put some time towards it that is dedicated time to it. The second thing that comes to my mind in terms of how to create space for what's important is to eliminate clutter. Now, again, that doesn't sound like rock and science, but hear me out. Yes, there's the physical items for sure. Like I've seen many accountants that has stacks of files sitting three feet high on their desk or their side cupboard. And certainly that creates some, that is creates some clutter. Obviously they need to be able to access those files. But it's not just physical items or, you know, boxes of stuff. It's also digital files, people, tasks that can be delegated, activities that don't bring you value. If they don't add value to what's important to you, then it just adds clutter. One thing that I have learned from one of my spiritual mentors is that everything you see and need to maintain takes your energy and takes away energy of what you would have had to apply to what's truly important to you. We all have limitations in terms of our energy, but if we have excess unvalued pieces that are taking away our energy, they just simply serve as energy drains. Now, another way to create space, what's really important is, to be honest with you, is often not really done, is values. So what do I mean by that? Well, it's knowing clearly what you value and then using them for decision-making and walking them in your actions. Now, I've seen it way too many times where values are defined and are on websites that sound really, really good. And yet when it comes to walking it, these words can sound like rhetoric or cliche or not truly walked. Now, how do you walk the talk of your values? There are many ways to do this, but one way is to ingrate it in your decision making, whether it's as a group or organization, as a couple, or by yourself. If you say respect is your value, if you value respect, Then when you're making decisions, for example, approving a business case for a million dollars, then why wouldn't you also ask how each of your key stakeholders will experience respect with this implementation? So I'll give you a little bit more of an example. First off, who are your key stakeholders? Well, to me, there's naturally about five or six of them. First bucket of stakeholders is your customers. And you might need to sub-segment this a little bit. But bottom line, are your customers going to feel the same or more respect with this decision and build their loyalty with the organization? Or are they going to feel nickel and dimed? Second group of key stakeholders is your workers. And again, that's best is broken down by key groups like employees, and that might be needed to be broken down even further. Your management team, your consultants or your contractors. And then the last three key stakeholders would be your vendors, your suppliers, your community, your society that you operate in. The last three key stakeholders would be your vendors, your key suppliers, your community, your society that you operate in, and lastly, the ecological stakeholder of earth and wildlife. Will that decision that you're making decrease your imprint on the planet or keep it where it is, for example? Overall, the lever here is to create space for what's really important. And one of those ways is to align with your values. Overall, the lever or opportunity here is to create space for what is really important. And one way to do that is to align with your values.
Now, the second limitation was that change management is viewed as part of project management. Project management is focused on delivering the technical solution within scope, on time, and on budget. And for many projects, that is sufficient. Change management is a discipline that is focused on ensuring that the benefits are realized, that the people side of the change occurs. And for these types of positive change initiatives, there is often so much people change management shifts needed to make the real change sustainable that applying solely project management approaches will simply not be sufficient. So the opportunity or strategic lever here is to leverage both needed disciplines. You know, in this day and age, we need to have both disciplines of quality project management and quality change management, and they need... We need these complementary disciplines to be equal partners, collaborating together, so neither of them feel stifled or limited by the others, and they both are focused on common goals collectively. So the second strategic lever is leverage both disciplines. The third limitation was unexpected resistance will appear. When attempting to shift to a more positive change, whether it be more more focus on the customer, the environment, or diversity, you will very likely face resistance. A common form of resistance comes up as lip service. Now, resistance comes in a multiple different ways and not just lip service. And no matter how it shows up, in some ways it doesn't really matter. The issue is, if you don't foresee it, your journey to the desired change will be delayed. And I'd rather see little hiccups along the way versus major detours that resistance can cause. So what's on the other side of the coin here of unexpected resistance? The strategic lever is anticipate and strategize. To anticipate potential resistance, one needs to have a viewpoint a little higher than usual. Like if you usually operate on the ground level or at the 1,000-foot level of the business, go up to 20,000 or 30,000 feet up from your vantage point. Being too much at the ground level here, it's really easy to miss the signs of unspoken resistance or actually be able to handle effectively spoken resistance in that moment. It is also really helpful here when you're anticipating and strategizing your approach that it comes from the perspective of empathy. To have the ability to anticipate walking in someone else's shoes to foresee what others might think or what others might feel towards certain topics. So you're best to lean into that empathy muscle that you do have. So the third strategic lever is anticipate and strategize. Now, the fourth and final limitation was the lone wolf goes the lone ranger. Leading change like this can feel like you're being a lone wolf and that you don't really have someone you can truly trust or be objective as often leaders, colleagues, team members that are all part of the culture that needs shifting. Without someone to trust who is objective and can talk openly about the issues and together brainstorm on the resolution, one can often choose to work alone. And in that spirit that started, it starts to dwindle as you go in circles in your mind. So what's on the other side of the coin for the Lone Ranger? Secure partners. Really, it's about creating a strong coalition, an alliance of individuals for combined action to achieve a common goal. 
Last time I mentioned to find someone to bounce things off, and it might have sounded like I was saying to have just one person, but really it's best to have more than one, including the sponsor, including someone who is a peer in the project that could understand the culture, and someone completely objective that has no stake in the game. By the way, sometimes if you know of someone who is resistant but yet is open to your ideas, they can be a great person for you to privately bounce things off of. This is because they already relate to the mindset of their resistant, and they can help you to understand that mindset and how to position things to that broader audience so that it'll be more effective. So the last of the four levers is secure partners. So now that you know the four levers to creating positive change, what do you create when you apply pairs of these levers at the same time? What is that joint strength that occurs when two of these levers are at the play? Well, visualize a Venn diagram of four circles overlapping each other with one circle for each of the four levers. You can find a picture of this in the show notes. So if you create space for what is really important, and you leverage both disciplines, change management and project management, what do you get? You get execution. You have a structured approach like steel in a foundation before you pour in the concrete that creates a solid framework for execution with much more ease. Now, if you apply the levers of anticipate and strategize and secure partners, especially strategic selected ones, What do you create? You create influence. With having looked at the potential points of resistance along with finding the right partners to be part of the coalition, you are creating the ability to influence the change you seek. If you create space for what's really important for you and you secure partners, what do you create? You create capacity, the capacity to uplift and lead the change. Creating positive change takes some heavy lifting and you will need capacity to do so. And if you leverage both needed disciplines of project management and change management, and also anticipate and strategize, you are prepared. By applying a structured approach through both project management and change management disciplines, and anticipating strategizing the resistances that can arise, you create preparedness, which the complexity of positive change initiatives often consist of. These four results of created capacity, Influence, preparedness, and execution, together you create success, the transformation you seek. So now it's your turn. To prioritize which of these four to focus on, look at the levers of what you need most and what will provide you the biggest leverage. To do so, here are a few questions I leave with you. First, for each of these levers, are they already a strength or do they need some shoring up? You could rate the four of them with a scale from one to five, with one being weak and five being rock solid. Secondly, which of these four results or outcomes of influence, capacity, preparedness, and execution do you see that you most need? And last, look at the levers with the lowest score and the outcomes with the highest need and you will know which levers you need to build to create the leverage in creating the positive transformation that you're seeking. In the show notes, you will find a PDF with a diagram of what I shared today, along with these questions. And remember, our world is waiting for us to create the change we seek.
It's time. So let's go. So glad you joined me for this episode of the Hindsights and Insights podcast. I do hope you'll join me again real soon. If you'd like to be notified automatically when new podcast episodes or other resources are available, you can sign up on my website, donnalenzik.com. There you can discover more actionable insights intended to give you a shot of inspiration that you can use to create the change you seek in the world. You can find the link to my website in the show notes. Until we connect again, I leave this question with you. What is one action that you can take that moves you towards creating the change that you seek? I encourage you to take that next step forward. Our world is waiting for us to create the change that we seek. It's time. So let's go.